The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. So my pleasure this morning to introduce our morning devotion speaker. Uh, the Reverend Adriel Sanchez is the current pastor, the lead pastor, senior pastor of North Park Presbyterian Church, a congregation in the Presbyterian Church in America. North Park is located just north of downtown, a church that he planted five years ago. And because of God's faithfulness, uh, he has continued to bless this church. Uh, Adriel, uh, more importantly, is married to his wife, and they have four children. Perhaps most importantly, he's one of our alums. And so we're delighted, we're delighted to have him here. He also is a co-host of a new radio program uh, sponsored by the White Horse Inn called The Core, which is Core Christianity. So welcome. Bring God's word to us. Yes, very good to be here with you all. And I'm going to be sharing with you from Mark's Gospel. If you would turn to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 45 through 52, and then I'll pray. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we give you thanks for this day, Lord, and an opportunity now to open your word. We ask that you would bless us by the grace of your Holy Spirit, grant To us, Lord, illumination in your word, that we would leave this place uh, encouraged, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, as Julia said, I I am married. I have four kids. And a few years ago, our oldest right now is seven. When he was uh, about four years old, my wife wanted to give him swim lessons because we live in San Diego and we're around the beach. We like to go to the pool. And so this is something that's very important. And uh, she found this kind of unorthodox swim teacher. He he does this thing where you give him a ton of money, and uh, my wife and I had to talk about this. She had to convince me. And he does five lessons, 15 minutes each lesson. So you're getting, you know, like learn how to swim in less than a couple hours. And, um, and so the, 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 the whole lesson, at least the first few, were very traumatic, actually. Uh, he kind of does this thing where he takes your, your kid and he throws them into the pool. And he's in there with them and they're kind of splashing around. And it's sort of like, I mean, really uh, learning by immersion. And my, my son, the first, <laughs> the first uh, couple of times, was absolutely terrified. Uh, the, the instructor told us, look, as you're standing on the side of the pool, 
Um, just don't say anything. Just it, it doesn't help for you to talk. Just watch. And so we're there watching as our son, our four-year-old, is crying out to us. And he's basically confessing all of his sins, you know, like, I'll eat my vegetables, um, whatever you want from me. This is where I hid the candy. Like, please come and save me. And it was pretty rough. Fortunately, over time, he actually did learn how to swim in those five lessons that he had. But it was really, at first, he thought that we were tormenting him, just watching him. As he's there, almost about to drown, at least what he felt like was, I'm about to drown. And I wonder if that's not how the disciples feel here in this story. Jesus has sent them into the waters. He is there on the land. He's dismissed this crowd. Uh, The context is, right, the disciples have just had a long day of serving in ministry alongside of Jesus. You you have the the feeding of of thousands of people, and, and you would think After this long day of ministry, if there's anything that the disciples want, it's how about a night of rest? How about we just have, you know, a a glass of Jerusalem's finest. We can sit with Jesus, the master, hear him teach for a while, maybe get a good night of sleep after all of this work, laboring alongside of the master. And yet that's not what Jesus has. That's not what he plans for his disciples. Instead, he sends them out into the waters. He says, hey, you... Go over to Bethsaida. I'm going to stay here. And when the nighttime comes, Jesus is watching his disciples. And and the text tells us in verse 48, they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. Now, the word used there, painfully, it really does mean to torment or to torture or to harass. Earlier in Mark's gospel, back in chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus has an encounter with a man who's possessed by a demon. Do you remember what the man said to Jesus? What have we to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Seems like back in chapter 5, Jesus let the demon off the hook pretty easy. And yet here, the disciples, straining at the oars in the middle of the night, feel as though they are being tormented, making headway Painfully, and Jesus is the one who has sent them into the waters. Now, what do you suppose that the disciples are thinking right now as they're there on the waters in our text? What would you be wondering if after a whole day of faithful service to Jesus, ministering side by side with him instead of being rewarded, you were sent to go row against the wind? Now, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, sometimes in Christian ministry, this is how it feels, right? I mean, if, if you've been in ministry, if you've done ministry, you know that sometimes it feels like you're rowing against the wind, like you're not making a lot of progress. You're unsure what it is that God is doing. God, why have you sent me here in this place? And I imagine, you know, being in the, in the shoes of the disciples, what they're thinking, are you guys sure he said, go to Bethsaida? Did he know? Did he know that the wind was going to be against us like this? Did he know that we were going to be making headway painfully? Where is he at right now? What is Jesus doing? While we're here, after a long day of work, rowing, or perhaps more bluntly, why is he tormenting us? Jesus, why are you harassing me after a long day of service? 
You see, these disciples, one thing that they know is that Jesus is in control of the waves and the wind. You remember back in chapter 4, this isn't the first storm in Mark's gospel. Back in chapter 4, there was another instance where they're on a boat in the middle of the storm and Jesus is in the bottom of the boat and the disciples think that they're going to die. Mark chapter 4 verse 39 says, He awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And in the next verse, you remember what the disciples said after they saw this. They said, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, if the disciples know anything, they know that Jesus is the Lord of the wind and the sea. And yet Jesus has sent them into stormy weather where the wind is against them beating against their bodies where the sea is threatening to consume them. And this time, Jesus, their Lord, is not in the boat. And so it's really a, a scary situation for these disciples. And, and really, we have to ask, right, in the midst of situations like this, where we're unsure what the Lord is doing, the wind is against the people of God, the waves threaten them, what is Christ doing here in this text? And there are two things that I want to give you. Jesus is watching and Jesus is walking. Jesus is watching and he's walking. I mean, verse 48 says he saw that they were making headway painfully. Now, this is interesting, right? Like it's in the middle of the night. They're probably a few miles out. It's dark. There's a storm. I mean, the visibility can't be very good. The disciples cannot see Jesus, but Jesus is watching them. And he sees them there on the waters, straining at the oars. And friends, when you are straining at the oars of ministry, Christ is watching you. He sees you when the wind is against you, when the storms come, when the waters rise. He's watching. In any kind of suffering, isn't this precisely the thing that we want? I mean, oftentimes we wonder, God, do you see this? You see what's happening right now in my life? You're the one who sent me here. You're the one who controls the wind and the waves. Jesus, are you watching? Do you see? And the text tells us very clearly that Jesus is watching his disciples, and we might even say praying for his disciples. He went up to the mountain to pray. We know that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us, to pray for us. Jesus is watching his disciples as they struggle, and he's walking. That's what verse 48 continues to say, right? About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. And you read that and you just think, well, that's kind of weird, Jesus. He comes out and he's walking on the sea and he meant to pass by them. He's walking on the water. I mean, that's, that's a miracle, right? I mean, that's wild in and of itself. But then, then the text goes on to say he intended to pass by his disciples. 
They think he's a ghost. Verse 49, that's how blinding the storm is. They cannot perceive that it is Jesus. They cannot clearly see him in the midst of the storm. And if I was the disciples there on that day, if we were the disciples, I mean, the last thing we would want, right, in the middle of the storm there on the boat is for Jesus to walk by us. It's like, no, hey, Jesus, how about get into the boat? Come and save us like you did back in chapter 4. We're told that Jesus intended to pass by. It almost sounds cruel. He's the Lord of the wind and the waves, the waters, and he intends to walk by. It's the verb fellow, to will. Jesus wanted to walk right on by his disciples. This is some kind of a race. Jesus saying, hey, Peter, John, I can walk on water to Bethsaida faster than you can row. Watch me. Check me out. No. No, that's not what this text is getting at. What, what this text is getting at here, this is the language of theophany in the Old Testament. We've got to understand the Old Testament in order to understand this text in particular. It's the language God used when he wanted to give his people an intimate revelation of himself. In fact, this text in particular, some scholars think it echoes uh, very clearly the Septuagint of Exodus chapter 33. You remember that text. It's a well-known text. Exodus 33, 18 through 23. Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you. My name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. The Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face will not be seen. In the book of 1 Kings, when God spoke to Elijah the prophet in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11, he told him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. God spoke to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, you were aboard on the day that you were born and when I passed by you, And saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you, in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Why does Jesus send his disciples into the stormy waters where the wind is against them, where the waves threaten them? It is not to torture his disciples. It's to give them a theophany, the revelation of himself, his glory, that he is the Lord God, the covenant 
king, the one who tramples on the waves of the sea, like Job said, this is the Lord Jesus intends in the midst of their suffering to pass by his disciples. And brothers and sisters, Jesus through the gospel intends to reveal that same glory to you and through you in the ministries that you have. Paul said, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And sometimes it isn't on the mountaintop of successful ministry that God gives us that picture. But on the sea, not a lot of sleep, exhausted, the wind against us. Maybe, brothers and sisters, you feel like you've begun seminary this year and it's been a little bit of straining at the oars. You're not making the progress that you would like to make at this time. Not progressing as quickly as you'd like. Continue to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he's watching you. And as you're here learning about him, he intends to reveal his glory more and more to you. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we give you thanks again for your kindness to us. I pray, Lord, help us to, as Paul said there in that text of 2 Corinthians, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to be transformed by the glory of Christ. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that that's what would happen throughout the course of their training for ministry and studying your word For whatever purpose you've called them, Lord, that they would more and more be transformed. That you would, in one sense, Lord, pass them by and reveal your glory to them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California, 2019. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.